Thank you, worship team. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16, we're going to be um, looking at a number of verses in Acts chapter 16. Um, We're changing things up in the sense that uh, the person who preaches will actually do the scripture reading each week just to be able to give us a little consistency of scheduling at this point. But um, if you have your Bibles, uh, Acts chapter 16, we're going to start in verse number 6. And what I want you to understand is this was Paul's second missionary journey. Um, and he is going to be led by the Lord to the city of Philippi. This was probably around A.D. 52. And what you're going to find out is as we're, we're going to find the, how the church of Philippi was established, we're, we're going to start then reading in Philippians chapter 1 and verses 1 and 2. And that was written about 10 years later after we read of what is happening here in the book of Acts when the church was established. So, so in a sense, you're going to find out Philippians was like a 10-year-later communication to the church that was founded that we're going to read here. Do you understand that? All right, follow along with me um, as we read in Acts chapter 16 and look in verse number 6. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia, And when they had gone up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Verse 11, So setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace, and the following days to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days. And on the Sabbath day, let me stop there, on the Sabbath day they would have normally gone to the temple, But if there was a city that didn't have at least 10 Jewish men, there was no temple. So on the Sabbath day, we find out here, we went outside the gate to the riverside where we supposed that there was a place of prayer and we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. Verse 14, one who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And it's my prayer that the Lord would open our heart that we might hear from him this morning. And after she was baptized in her household as well, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. And we were going to the place of prayer. We were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. And the interesting part here, it says, And Paul, having become greatly annoyed. I wonder how he expressed that. Did he look at the situation and... 
I don't think he was annoyed at the lady, but he was annoyed at what was going on in the demon attacking her, right? Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus come to come out of her, and it came out of out that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, these men are Jews and they are disturbing our city. How are they disturbing their city? Because this woman's life was changed, but their loss of income would not be occurring through this lady. Verse 21, they advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in attacking them and the magistrates tore the garments off off of them and gave orders to them to be beat with rods. And those rods would have been hard rods or the ropes would have been three quarters inch and they would have just beat them. Verse 23, and when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into the prison, according, uh, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. They, they ordered the jailer to keep them safely after they just beat them. How ironic. Having received this order, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. And about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the fountain foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried, cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for the lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds, and he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them, and he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. This is the passage of the founding of the book of Philippians. Now turn over to Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, and you're gonna, we're going to see that the saints are mentioned. Lydia, no doubt. Perhaps some of these ladies down by the riverside were converted. Perhaps some of these people in jail were converted. People in the household were converted. As I said, Philippians written 10 years later. Look in Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. It says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So I trust the Lord will bless the reading of his word. And I'm going to encourage you on a number of things. On our weekly email, we send out like uh, information to help you to be able to be uh, more informed. And there's a video that was sent out that kind of gave you an overview of the book of Philippians. If we don't have your email address, we would love to make sure that you get the sermon outlines. There's an app there that you can see my sermon outline on. Um, 
online as well, but um, if we can help you in that way, then um, please let us know. It was Winston Churchill's thought that to understand the past helps us also to understand the future. Someone else said it this way. The person who sees the furthest back can often see further ahead. And what I'm trying to do in this opening sermon is to lay a foundation to make sure that we understand the context of the book of Philippians. We, we read how the church was established through persecution and difficulty in Acts chapter 16. And we're going to see a little bit more about what God has done here in, um, in Philippi in, in this particular church. A number of things before we launch into the, before I launch into the sermon this morning is uh, Philippi was a town that was in Macedonia, a larger region. It's the northern area of Macedonia. The city was named after Philip, and Philip was the king of Macedonia, and he was also the father of Alexander the Great. And this particular place was like a sweet spot to live. Uh, geographically, it had a, like a, a highway coming through the, the city. Um, so a lot of trade, a lot of passengers, a lot of selling, a lot of goods coming, a lot of people coming through. Very interesting town. A lot of fertile ground to plant things with. There was gold in those hills, as they would say. There was, there was gold, and they mined in that area. And they, they, it was just a wonderful place to live. It was, it was blessed geographically, um, economically, socially. It was a, a great place, in a sense, to live. Um, in the book of Philippians, you're going to find out that it really is 104 verses. Only 104 verses. If you look in your Bible, it's probably no more than two and a half pages. This is the passage, this is the text that we're going to give ourselves to over the next 12, 13 weeks and say, God, would you help us to understand this book? Out of all the books in the Bible, would you help us to understand this book and make application to our hearts and our lives? The title of my message this morning is Key Lessons from Philippians key lessons from Philippians. And if you're a three-point outline person, you're going to be greatly disappointed this morning because I've got four points for you this morning, right? Four truths that I want you to see as we kind of do an overview of the book of Philippians. The first truth I want you to see is that you are part of God's great plan as he builds his church that you are part of God's great plan as he builds his church. And what you're going to see is in Matthew's gospel, Jesus said this. Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against me. And what you're going to find out, folks, is that this is just one church, one local church, that, that the Lord begins to build his church. And we get to know some of the characters, and we understand their problems and their issues. But it's a testimony of God continuing to build his church. And when, he's, when he started and when he said he'd build his church, he has continued to build his church. And he continues to build his church today. And not just through Community Baptist Church, but throughout churches that are preaching the gospel in our community today. It's his church, capital Big C, his church. And he will build his church. And, and this is just a little window of us seeing how the Lord is building his church. And you might ask, how, how, how does the Lord build his church? We see through the passage in, in the book of Acts that he builds it 
by directing his servants and in, in, in literally to start a church. He, he's the one who directed his servants to go by his spirit. He directed his servants to say, I've got a work to do in Philippi. What you're going to find out in, in the book of Acts chapter 16 and verse 6, that the Lord directs his servants sometimes by closing doors. The text says in verse number 6 that they were forbidden by the Lord to go to Asia. And you know what's interesting? The Lord said, no, you're not going to go to Asia. You're going to go to Philippi. And the first person he talked with in Philippi was a lady from Asia. The Lord said, no, you're not going to Asia. In verse 7, the Bible clearly says that they were forbidden to go to Bithynia. That they're like, well, hey, well, maybe we should go there. The Lord said, no, you're not going there. Because all along, the Lord had a plan for this place that a church, that a work would be built for His glory. I want you to understand this morning, do you realize that preaching the gospel in Philippi was not on their original plan? It was not option A for them. It was not option B. It was option C. And the Lord said, no, I'm going to close this door, and I'm going to close this door because I've got a door for you right over here. And so often we get frustrated and we get in much anguish when the Lord closes that door or that door. And it might be because the Lord says, no, I've got that door for you to go to. And that's what he did in their lives. God's will is sometimes not plan A and not plan B. God's will for your life might be plan C or D or E. That was the case with Adoniram Judson. Adoniram Judson wanted to serve the Lord, and he prepared, and he was sent to India. And when he arrived in India, he was planning to give his life to preach the gospel in India. But you know what the Lord said after he arrived? Through circumstances, the door shut. He left India, he was sent to Burma, and he served the Lord faithfully in Burma for almost 40 years. The Lord said, no, India is not your place. I got another place. And I, and I, I ask you this morning, are you flexible enough to go with plan B or C with the Lord this morning? Because God's will is to direct his servants to do a work where he wants them to be. And his will might be saying no to you. Someone said it this way, his no is just as important as his go. Someone else said it this way, both the steps and the stops of good men are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in both. May we be willing to follow his will when he closes doors realizing that he might open another door somewhere else. And we see that in our passage in Acts chapter 16. The Lord directs his servants by opening doors. Here in, in uh, chapter 16, verse 9, there's a Macedonian call. I wonder who this man was. I mean, it might have been an angel, but did the Lord use someone else? And is this man part of the church? I, I, I don't know. It doesn't say. It's just a man of Macedonian saying, hey, come over here and help us. The Lord allowed him to see that. And it concludes in verse number 10. It says, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. 
before the Lord led my wife and I here in 2007 to plant our, this church, um, I did not see myself as a, a church planner. Um, I make sure during the song service that this thing is off. Why? Because I'm, I'm not a singer, okay? I can't start a church and I can't be the guy who leads you in worship. I can't do that. That's not my gift. Uh, there was a church in Greenville, South Carolina that wanted me to come and, and take over the church and the Lord closed that door. My wife and I flew to Columbia, South Carolina and preached in a larger church there. The Lord closed that door. We met with a group of people in Chicago that the church was dying, less than 10 people in the church. And I just said, well, here's who I am and here's what we do. And the Lord closed that door. A friend of mine who just happened to be in the earlier service this morning, his name is Dave. He said early on, he's like, why don't you come to Spring Hill and start a church? And I said, I, I'll consider that, but it'll be like one of the last things on my, my uh, list. Not because I didn't want to come here, but the South was, we're from the South. My wife is from Tennessee. We have sweet tea. I mean, you know, what else do you need? But I said, the Lord would have to remove all these other areas for us to come. And you know what? The Lord did that. And I wonder in your life, are you okay with the Lord saying no and no and no because I have you there? And that's what he did with these men. They followed God's will because the Spirit of God was leading them to go. The second thing I want you to see is not only does the Lord direct his servants, but the Lord prepares the hearts of those who will respond to the gospel. When these servants that were led by the Holy Spirit to eventually get to Philippi, the Bible says very specifically that the Lord opened Lydia's heart, that she gave attention to what was spoken by the Apostle Paul. The Lord had already done a work. He, had, he knew what he was going to have done in, in uh, Philippi, and these servants followed God's will, and they proclaimed the truth of the gospel, and God opened her heart. In Acts chapter 16 and verse 25, it says that the prisoners listened to Paul. Why did the prisoners listen to the uh, Apostle Paul? I think it's because God was working in their heart. Then the jailer, through incredible circumstances, <laughs> listened to the Apostle Paul and then concluded, what do I need to do to be saved? And then they, they went from there and they went into his house and they proclaimed the gospel to all those in his house. God makes a way for his will and he prepares the hearts of those who respond to the gospel. How exciting that is for those who proclaim the truth of the gospel. The Lord directs his servants. The Lord prepares the hearts as he's building his church. The third thing I want you to see, and this is incredible as you, as you look at the people that God brings together here in, in the book of Acts chapter 16, that God is bringing together different types of people in the church. You think about Lydia... She was from Asia. You think about the slave girl, she was a Greek. You think about the jailer, he was a Roman. You think about their religious background. Lydia was a God-fearer. The slave girl was demon-possessed. The jailer was indifferent but lost. You think about their backgrounds from an, uh, an economy standpoint. Lydia would have been a wealthy person. The slave girl would have been poor. The jailer would have been a middle-class person. 
Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 and 10. And I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all the tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And the Lord is the one who's bringing together different types of people, all for His glory. In spite of the national, social, and financial diversity, their faith in Jesus Christ was what brought these people together. And I want to know from you this morning, is that enough to bring you together with other people that you don't know? That we can be different in all kinds of ways, but that we have Jesus in common, it makes all the difference in the world. And that's what the church in Philippi understood as the Lord was building his church. The Lord directs his servants. The Lord prepares the hearts. The Lord brings about different types of people. And the Lord provides help for his church. Are you in the book of Philippians? Would you go with Philippians? Make sure you're in Philippians. As he's writing to the church of Philippi, he's writing to the church at large. But what you find out as he's, he's writing to them, he also says, he talks about the saints, those are God's people. But he also writes to the pastors or the overseers and the deacons. So what we find out is, as when God is building his church, he provides, number one, we see he's, he's, he's providing godly leadership for the church. This would be what the text says, overseer or pastor or bishop, someone who shepherds, someone who leads, someone who watches over God's people. They're, they're mentioned in the text. Um, I won't go off on a tangent. See, when you get to go to the second service, I can go off on a tangent because we have all day long. You know what I'm saying? But, but there's a particular church in town that they say, we don't have any deacons. He says, well, whenever my church gets to be as large as it was in the book of Acts, then I'll have six deacons. Well, folks, Philippi was only probably between ten and 15,000 people at the time. But early on, around A.D. 62... There's a church in Philippi that has pastors and deacons. So I, I don't know how you can get around of saying, no, oh yeah, we're, we're all for pastors because I'm the pastor, but I'm not going to have any deacons. That's what he says. There's pastors to watch over and shepherd God's people. But there are also deacons, deacons who, shep, uh, deacons who are servants deacons who serve God by serving the people, thereby serving the pastors that we can give ourselves to the, the study of God's word and prayer. Pastors and deacons, he provides godly leadership, he provides godly servants. Find a church where you can submit and follow godly leadership. And then folks, you think about it too, not only did he provide godly leadership and godly servants, but he provided godly instruction. Philippians was written to help the church. And it was specific as to their challenges. It was specific as to their need. God, God didn't just leave them alone and say, good luck. No, he allowed the Apostle Paul and in the Spirit of God to say, here, here's what you need, church. And as a church in 2022, we not only have the book of Philippians to go to, we have the whole Bible to go to. To say, Lord, help us out as a church to help us to be able to, to please and honor you. And we find out that 
we'll find out throughout the text is that Paul wrote to the Philippians, number one, he, he, he wanted to thank them for the partnership that they, uh, the difference that they made in his life to help him be able to preach the gospel. He also wanted to give assurance to Epaphroditus to encourage him, and we'll look at it in chapter 2, but what a, what a blessing the Apostle Paul was to come and stand beside a man to say, hey, I want to make sure that you receive him warmly because he almost gave his life for you. He wanted to update the, the church about his circumstances, where he was, and he talks about that in chapter 1, how he's imprisoned. He wants to call them to live joyfully as God's people in, in the theme of joy. We're going to look at that here in a moment. And then he appeals for the church in unity because there was a division. There was issues in the church, and he's going to address that here. And we'll see that this morning as well. But be assured, folks, that you're part of God's great plan as he builds his church. If you're a believer this morning, God's doing a work. And he's doing it through his church for his glory. Second truth I want you to see this morning is that your personal circumstances don't have to rob you of joy. Your personal circumstances don't have to rob you of joy. And I'm going to give you a number of reasons why we can come to that conclusion. Number one is if you look back when the church was founded in Philippi, it was founded in much anguish and much opposition. The Bible says in Acts 16 that they were attacked, they were beaten with rods, and they received many blows on their body all for preaching the gospel. They were thrown into prison. They were bound with chains. And in spite of all the hardship, at midnight, they're singing and praising the Lord. They're rejoicing in the Lord in spite of their circumstances that they're going through. Do you realize that by the Lord's help and by His grace that the circumstances of our life might be very confusing and upsetting, but we can truly rest in the Lord. The second example is really the book of Philippians here and all the prison epistles. But four times in chapter 1, he talks about that he's in prison. That he's in prison for preaching the gospel. He's in prison and he doesn't, he, he, he shouldn't be there. It's not right. But he's not focused on a pity party for himself. He's rejoicing the Lord in spite of the wrong that's being done to him. He has joy. We find no trace of despair or despondency, but only words of joy in his life. This, this book, Philippians, is called the Epistle of Joy. In spite of the circumstances. And what you're going to find out is 16 times in 104 verses, he mentions the word joy or rejoicing. He's in prison. I mean, it's one thing to talk about having joy and rejoicing when things are going well, right? When you just won the lottery, you think, hey, I got all this, everything's great. But you're in prison and you've been beaten and you've been lied about. And you have joy? We find that out throughout the book of Philippians. He rejoiced in the partnership that he had with the Philippian Christians. He rejoiced in the fact that the gospel was being preached as a result of his imprisonment. He rejoiced at the prospect of seeing the Philippians again. He rejoiced in the unity of believers. 
He rejoiced in spite of sufferings. He rejoiced because of the gift he had received at the hand of Epaphroditus. The, the church of Philippi partnered with him. And because of all the joy in his heart, he made an appeal to God's people. A number of times, rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. Focus on the Lord and see all that you have because of the gospel. Truth number one, you're part of God's great plan as he builds his church. Truth number two, your personal circumstances don't have to rob you of joy. Truth number three, that your relationship with others is of great importance. That's another thing we're going to see. Your relationship with others is of great importance. We find that out in the book of Philippians, that what he does is he's eventually going to get to chapter four where he's going to call out two different ladies. But in chapter two... He's almost setting the stage, and he's, 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 he's making an appeal to them. And he says in chapter 2, verses 1 and 5 through 5, he says, If there is any encouragement in Christ, which there is, if there's any comfort from love, which there is, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord of one mind, He says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. And he's almost saying, listen, if you're going to have right relationships, just remember this truth. And folks, more is going to come. The book of Philippians... Or even in that day, a book would be uh, written, but if it was received, it would be brought to the church, and it would be read to the church. Imagine if your name was Yodius or Syntyche, and chapter 4 starts, and you, Yodia or Syntyche, you hear these words. I entreat Yodia... And I entreat Syntyche. I can imagine them being awfully warm. I entreat Yodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are written in the book of life. And what do we know about Yodia and Syntyche? That they were hard workers, the Bible says. Their names were written in the book of life. But there was an issue between them that affected the church. He would not have mentioned their names if it was something off the side. But whatever their issue was, it was causing division in the church. It was causing issues, and he's making an appeal that they be of the same mind. Disunity is the furthest thing from the Godhead. Disunity can destroy the church. And praise the Lord, disunity can be solved. And you might ask me this morning, Pastor, what was their specific problem? Any of you ever have a study Bible and you get a study Bible out and you kind of like read the study Bible and you have these notes down below? I, I read a study Bible this week and here's what it said in this other study Bible, the manuscript. It states that the church of Philippi had just gone to two services. 
they added a staff person they sold their building they were renting a building and they were planning to build another building I appreciate your getting my humor <laughs> Community Baptist Church attendance has never been higher parking lot has never been more full in the month of July it was at 128% capacity that's why many people park on the grass and behind the buildings and all over the place in August our auditorium capacity is the highest it's ever been our offerings are almost in budget at budget Last week, we were able to rejoice that we had a missionary that we as a church sent out from our church, and a lot of good things are happening here. But in the midst of God's blessing, if, if the devil can't get us by opposition from without, he tries to destroy us from within. And we need to make sure that we understand that right relationships matter in April, I began experience, experiencing a pain in my, one of my, uh, my feet, one of my, my foot, my left foot. I said to my wife, what does she say? Go to the doctor. <laughs> May the 24th, I went to the walk-in clinic. They checked me out. They said, well, you're going to have to go to a podiatrist. June the 2nd, I had a visit at the podiatrist, and that podiatrist cut part of my foot, did some things. There was a problem in there. That's all I'm going to say for the sake of this illustration. There's a problem. She said, come back and let me know if, there's, if you think I've got everything, everything's okay. Well, I wanted to give it some time because I didn't want to be too much of a wimp, and I went back July the 22nd. I said, there's still a problem in my foot. My second visit, they sent me to go get an ultrasound on my foot this past week to find if there's anything in my foot. There's something in my foot. And now they're going to have to cut my foot off. You would feel that way if it was me. I mean, they're going to have to give me a shot and cut some, something out of there. You know what I'm saying? Not my foot. I'm just teasing on that. But <laughs> something little, the first service responded the same way. So don't worry about it. One, one father said his son gasped, all right? <laughs> But if it's your foot, you would feel like they're going to cut it off, right? But, but there's something small in there, maybe a little piece of glass or maybe, I mean, there's something there, but it's, it's caused a problem. And you know what? That's what happens in marriages that just something enters in and, and there's like an infection. There's not forgiveness. There's an unspoken word or there's a spoken word. There's businesses where things are said. There are churches. Things can happen. And that's what's going on here in the book of Philippians. And he addresses that. And it's a great reminder for us that right relationships matter. Division in the body hurts the body. We are to guard our hearts. We're human. We need to understand that the Lord can cause division among us. And then the fourth truth I want to share with you this morning. Not only are you part of God's great plan as he builds his church... And not only do we realize that our personal circumstances don't have to rob us of joy, and not only do we realize that our relationships with others is of great importance, but we see, number four, that, our, that your position in Christ is all that matters. Go back to Philippians chapter 1 and verse 1, would you? We see that Paul and Timothy 
servants of Christ Jesus. Do you realize that if you're a believer this morning that you are a servant of Christ? This word is not like a servant that you can just come and go. But Paul said, I am a slave of Jesus. I belong to Jesus. Whatever he wants for me, I am his. And the Bible teaches that we too are servants of God. And our attitude ought to be, Lord, whatever you want, you can have. Whatever your will is, Lord, that's what we want to follow. We want to be obedient because we understand that we are servants. Not only does the text say that we're servants, but we also we understand that we're saints. We are saints. This word saint is, is a word that God calls his people. It, it literally means to be set apart. And I was thinking about that last week when Dwight preached and he said, we are not sanctified. And I'm like, Dwight, we are sanctified. We are saints. We're set apart. And I said something to him. He's like, yeah, I meant to say glorified. We're not glorified. I'm like, yeah, we're not glorified. We're not in glory yet, but we are saints. We're set apart from the world. We're set apart unto Christ. A saint is not someone who's like a special class Christian. But if you're a believer in Christ, you are a saint. I am St. Michael. You can now refer to me as St. Michael from this point forward. Are you in Philippians? They were located geographically in Philippi. But the text says that they were in Christ. And this morning, if you are a believer, you're not only a saint and you're not only a servant but you are in Christ what a wonderful picture of understanding there's a next slide here that talks about a mortise and a tenon the tenon is what's going to slide into the wood and imagine being that little skinny part and that's going to slide into the wood and when that wood is inside of the other wood if someone had a hammer and they wanted to beat on that wood, do you know that being inside that wood is going to keep that wood safe? There's not going to be any damage done to that wood. That wood is safe and secure because it's inside the other wood. And when we become a Christian, we are clothed in the righteousness of Christ, that we are in Christ, and there's not going to be anything that will ever happen to your salvation if you're in Christ that nothing or no one can ever affect because you're in Christ. That's a truth to glory in the gospel. Because we will only be affected when we are in Christ is if someone can do damage to Christ. If someone can destroy Christ... And no one is going to be able to destroy Christ. And we rejoice that we are, we are in Christ. And I close with this last truth about, as believers, we are also recipients of God's grace and peace. We see that in Philippians chapter 1. We have a relationship with Jesus not because we deserve it. It's because of his grace. And we have peace with God because of what Christ has done for us. 
there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ. As a Christian, you receive grace and you have peace through Jesus. Community Baptist Church, God has a plan, and that plan is His church. The church has been given pastors and deacons to partner with the saints for His glory. God has given us His Word for, to help us to navigate our priorities and our duties and our relationships. God has given us grace and peace to be able to accomplish all that He wants us to accomplish. And as we navigate throughout the book of Philippians, we have His grace. We have His enabling grace if we'll humble ourselves and say, God, I need help. I want to be like you. And my question for you this morning is will you look to the Lord and will you ask Him for help? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed, and let's pray together. As our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, a number of questions I want to ask this morning. Do you see yourself as part of God's church? And are you connected with other believers? Are you submitted to godly leadership? Have difficult circumstances stolen the joy from your heart? And, and if you're going through circumstances that perhaps no one else knows, would you ask the Lord to renew the joy of your salvation? Are you right with others? And have you, or, or have you allowed uh, uh, difficulty or misunderstandings to cause division in your heart? Will you commit yourself to maintain the unity of the Spirit? Will you ask God to help you glory in the truth in the fact that you are in Christ? See, folks, victory is possible because Jesus makes all of this possible. He is the one that's building His church hearts. He is the one that's giving leadership to His church. He's the one who's directing his servants. He's the one who's bringing together all types of people in his church. He is the one that gives true joy in our hearts, no matter the circumstances. He's the one that gives us grace and makes peace with God possible. And to God be the glory, all glory be to Christ. Father, help us to follow you. Help us to be spirit-led. Help us to do your will and be glorified in our hearts and our lives.